0: SECTION 14 OF MYSTERIES OF LONDON, VOLUME 4 This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Stephen Seidel MYSTERIES OF LONDON, VOLUME 4 BY GEORGE W. M. REYNOLDS A MAN OF BUSINESS Mr. Bubbleton Styles was a gentleman of about fifty years of age, short, thin, dapper, and active, with a high bald forehead and small restless twinging eyes, he seemed a perfect man of business, an impression that was enhanced by a certain sly knowingness which he had assumed years before, and which was now habitual to him. He was uneducated and ignorant, but he had studied the manner in which well-instructed persons spoke. He compared their language with his own, and he had actually weeded his style of speech of the solecisms and grammatical errors that originally characterized it. He had not, however, been able to improve himself in spelling with equal facility, and therefore he took care never to write a letter. He always had some plausible excuse for throwing this duty in business matters upon some other person more competent than himself. Astute and cunning, HE FORBORE FROM TOUCHING ON TOPICS WHICH HE DID NOT UNDERSTAND. BUT, IF THE CONVERSATION DID TURN, IN SPITE OF HIS ENDEAVORS TO THE CONTRARY, ON SUBJECTS WHEREOF HE WAS IGNORANT, HE SO ARTFULLY MANAGED HIS OBSERVATIONS THAT EVEN THOSE WHO KNEW HIM WELL WERE FAR FROM SUSPECTING THAT HE WAS OTHERWISE THAN PROFOUNDLY ACQUAINTED WITH THE MATTER UNDER DISCUSSION. EVERYBODY THOUGHT HIM A VERY shrewd FELLOW. AND HE HAD A HABIT OF LOOKING SO KNOWING AND CRITICAL WHEN ANYONE WAS SPEAKING, THAT HIS OPINION, WHEN SUBSEQUENTLY DELIVERED, WAS RECEIVED WITH RESPECT AND DEEMED AN AUTHORITY. THE READER MAY THEREFORE PERCEIVE THAT MR. BUBBLETON STYLES WAS A THOROUGH MAN OF THE WORLD. HE TOOK CARE NEVER TO COMMIT HIMSELF. IN SMALL MONEY TRANSACTIONS HE WAS ALWAYS REGULAR AND CORRECT. HE THEREFORE ESCAPED THE IMPUTATION OF MEANNESS and actually acquired, at a cheap rate, the denomination of an honorable character. The consequence was that when he failed, which was very often indeed in large transactions, he was considered merely as a spirited but unsuccessful speculator, never as a dishonest person. He had an office in the city, but were any of his friends to ask, what is Stiles? The answer would be a vague generality, such as, Oh, he is a city man, you know, engaged in business, and all that, a reply leaving the inquirer just as wise as he was before. And yet, at his office, there were all the symptoms and evidence of business a letter box at the door, a clerk engaged in writing at the desk, a pile of letters here, and a heap of account books there. Samples of many kinds of goods on the mantel and shelves, mysterious-looking bales and hampers on the floor, files covered with dingy papers looking like invoices and bills of lading, and the words, Bills for Acceptance, labeled over a slit in the boardwork that enclosed the desk. Thus the place had a very businesslike aspect, and yet no one could define what was the precise nature of the business carried on there. But we have traveled to Mr. Bubbleton Styles' offices in Crosby Hall Chambers, whereas Mr. Bubbleton Stiles himself is just now in a tavern parlor in Fleet Street. The clock had just begun to strike three as Captain O. Blunderbuss and Mr. Frank Curtis entered the public house, and by the time they reached the aforesaid parlor it was six seconds past three there sat mr bubbleton styles with his silver watch in his hand and gazing at the dutch clock over the mantelpiece as if he were anxiously comparing the two dials and found himself much put out because there happened to be a slight difference between them if i thought it was my watch that was wrong he said aloud apparently in an amusing manner but really because he caught a glimpse of the entrance of Curtis and Blunderbuss at the moment, and he never lost an opportunity of impressing even his best friends with an idea of his punctuality. If I thought it was my watch that was wrong, I would trample it to pieces beneath my heel. "'No, don't do that, old fellow!' exclaimed Frank, advancing toward him. "'Much better give it to me!' I would not do anything so prejudicial to a friend as present him with a watch that went irregularly,' returned Mr. Stiles in a solemn tone. "'But the fault is not with my watch, I am convinced. It lies with that rascally old clock. However, you are only six seconds after your time. I should have allowed you the full minute, and then I should have waited no longer. Come, sit down, Curtis. Captain O'Blunderbuss, sit down. I have just one hour to devote to you. As the clock strikes four, I must be off.' what will you take potine for me if you please said the gallant officer brandy for me observed frank and wine and water for me added mr bubbleton styles i never take spirits until after supper the various beverages required were immediately ordered and supplied and the three gentlemen proceeded to business THE PARLOR AT THE TAVERN, OR RATHER PUBLIC HOUSE, BEING OCCUPIED ONLY BY THEMSELVES AT THE MOMENT. "'Well, old fellow,' said Mr. Frank Curtis, addressing himself to Mr. Stiles, "'what good thing can you put us up to?' "'A speculation that will enrich us all three,' replied the gentleman thus appealed to. "'I do not mind telling you that I have been rather unfortunate lately in one or two enterprises, and I want something to set me square again.' I have a few bills coming due in a couple or three months, and I would not have them dishonored on any account. Thank God, however, I have no paltry debts, no mean milk scores, no peddling affairs. I always avoid them. Still, I must make a bold stroke for the sake of my larger transactions, and I presume that neither of you are averse to earning a little money easily and speedily. Ah, and be Jesus! That's the most welcome thing you could be affer sayin' to me, my friend," exclaimed the captain, surveying the speculator with deep admiration. Now, continued Mister Styles, I have been thinking that we three can work the oracle well together, and I propose what demanded Mister Curtis anxiously. Hold your tongue and have patience, Frank," ejaculated the gallant officer. "It shall be your turn to speak presently." Well, sir, and what is it then that you're a'fter proposing? A railway, returned Mr. Bubbleton Styles. Divil a better idea could ye have formed, cried the captain enthusiastically. Glorious! exclaimed Curtis in an equally impassioned tone of approval. Don't be excited, take things calmly in a business like way, said Mr. Bubbleton Styles. It is now twenty minutes past three. We have forty minutes more to converse upon the subject. Much may be done in that time. Here, continued the speculator, drawing a skeleton map of England from his pocket and spreading it on the table, you see this line drawn almost longitudinally from one end of Great Britain to the other? Well, that is my projected railway. You perceive we start from Beachy Head and Sussex. Right on as straight as we can go to Cape wrath on the northern coast of scotland of course we avoid as much as possible placing any portion of our line in competition with railways already existing but we shall have branches to all the principal cities and manufacturing towns and single lines wherever they may be asked for capital be jesus exclaimed the hibernian officer unable to restrain the exuberance of his delight at this magnificent scheme and by what title do you mean to call this pretty little bantling of yours mr styles the grand british longitudinal railway answered the speculator in measured and emphatic manner the captain was so elated by the grandeur and vast comprehensiveness of this denomination THAT HE RANG THE BELL WITH FURIOUS EXCITEMENT AND ORDERED THE WAITER TO REPLENISH THE GLASSES. NOW, CONTINUED MR. BUBBLETON STYLES, HAVING EXPOUNDED MY VIEWS, IT IS NECESSARY TO TAKE INTO CONSIDERATION THE MODE OF PROCEDURE. OF COURSE, I AM THE PROMOTER OF THE SCHEME, AND TOMORROW I SHALL REGISTER IT. THIS WILL ONLY COST FIVE POUNDS, AND THEN THE THING IS SECURED TO US, provisionally registered pursuant to seven and eight victoria cap one ten and so forth capital eight million pounds in four hundred thousand shares of twenty pounds each deposit two pounds two shillings per share you frank must be secretary and you captain consulting engineer is it an engineer you'd be ather making me in my old age cried the gallant officer for be the powers i forgot more than i ever knew of that same oh the place will be quite a sinecure good pay and nothing to do said mr stiles we shall have a regular engineer as a matter of course but it will look business-like to speak in the prospectus of having secured the valuable services of that eminent military engineer captain o blunderbuss of blunderbuss park ireland who having surveyed the whole of the proposed line in concert with the company's civil engineer has reported most favorably of the scheme and has offered suggestions which will produce a saving to the company of nearly half a million sterling in the progress of the works this is the way to manage business gentlemen added mr styles glancing in a satisfied manner at his two companions one after another Then, looking at his watch, he exclaimed, Oh, just ten minutes more to stay, and I must be off. Now, we have settled that I am to be the promoter. You, Curtis, are to be secretary, and you, Captain, consulting engineer. This evening, I will draw up the prospectus. We must have, oh, about thirty good names for the provisional committee, and by tomorrow afternoon the document will be printed and ready." "'You will not have time to call on the people to ask them to let you put down their names,' said Frank Curtis, conceiving at the moment that his friend was going on a trifle too fast. "'Nonsense, my dear fellow,' exclaimed Mr. Bubbleton Stiles. "'I know that I can take the liberty of using the names of at least half my intended provisional committee men, and the others will not think of contradicting the prospectus when they see that we have got Mr. Podgson as chairman.' what podson cried mr curtis almost wild with joy and surprise you don't mean to say that you've got podson not yet answered the speculator with his characteristic coolness but i shall have him by this time to-morrow i thought you had not spoken of your scheme to a soul before you met me in the captain this morning neither had i and podson is totally unaware at this moment that such a project is in existence interrupted mr styles calmly and deliberately but i know how to deal with him i have read his character from a distance and although i have never yet exchanged a word with him in my life depend upon it i shall hook him as our chairman before i am twenty-four hours older three minutes more cried the speculator then as if to make the most of the hundred and eighty seconds at his disposal Mr. Stiles closed the present interview in the following business-like and highly gratifying manner. You are both as shabby as you well can be, and you must obtain new clothes as soon as possible. Here is a ten-pound note for each of you. Moreover, you must get respectable lodgings at once, and you can give a reference to me. Tomorrow, at three o'clock punctually, there will be chops and sherry in readiness at my office, and I shall expect you both not a moment before three remember because you will be interrupting me and if you are a moment after i shall decline any farther transactions with you so good-bye i haven't time to shake hands thus speaking mr styles rushed from the room it being four o'clock to an instant and it is perhaps as well to observe that this perfect man of business had only made an appointment with his friends at the public-house in fleet street Because he had another gentleman to meet in the neighborhood at six minutes past four. End of section fourteen.